0: In this modern age, perfect. Too many people have lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas.
1: Mom! Hush! Shut
0: up, Ralphie! So now, in the spirit of the original. Me to you! Stop! Traditional. American Christmas. Thanks for watching! MGM presents a Christmas story. Ah! That's <laughs> it, you know. Uncle. And a one horse open way <laughs> for the field we go, laughing all the way. Hello! Welcome to another episode of Rewatchability. It's our final holiday-themed episode, because the holidays are coming to a close soon. Forever. Forever.
1: <laughs> the holidays are done. We're done with no 2020 more. killed holidays. They're gone. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God.
0: We've got, uh, I say this all the time, but we've got a big episode. It's a really big episode. It's one of the most beloved movies of all time, mm-hmm. uh, universally seen. You'd have to be an idiot not to have seen this movie.
1: That's right. I, an yeah. ignorant goon would would know <laughs> enough to watch this movie (laughs) yeah we're
0: talking about 1983's a christmas story And uh, before we get into that, I do want to take a minute to mention that we are an Entertainment One podcast, part of that podcast network. And I do want to thank all of the people that donate to our Patreon. That's uh, where you go in and you kick a few bucks to help us keep the show going. We really appreciate it. You get the show early and ad-free and sometimes bonus content. We actually have some Christmas bonus content for you. Uh, Go look under Mm -hmm. the tree, the the digital tree. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Do they have to wait
1: until Christmas morning? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. No peeking.
0: <laughs> That's, of course, on the honor system. <laughs> but we uh, uh, recorded an episode about some of our, uh, you know, what we like to watch around the holidays and, uh, and that kind of thing. It was a fun conversation. So if you want to join that, go to patreon.com rewatchability. And we really do appreciate it. And I do want to say, you know, because it's the Christmas season and we're ending the year soon, I do want to say a, a sincere thank you to everyone that's been listening. I looked at, like, the charts that were on, on like, iTunes and stuff, on the all the different countries, and really was, like... Because I know most of the people that listen are in, like, the U.S. or Canada, but there's still, like, there's people all over the world listening to this podcast. Wow. Uh, people in... Uh, even people in, like, Australia and New Zealand, where... <laughs> where they're just living life.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they have they no problems this. right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> can we just move there, be in a Lord of the Ring?
0: Yeah. If just you're, like all
1: the rich people are?
0: If you're one of the people listening in New Zealand, can you sponsor the three of us, too?
1: <laughs> I'm eligible. You can marry me if it'll get the there green there. card situation worked out.
0: <laughs> and uh, Blaine and I are, uh, you know, we'll leave our partners. <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is a pact we've made before this episode.
0: Yeah, all right, big episode, huge episode. We want, we like to do these big ones when, uh, when the actual, uh, you know, Christmas time rolls around. Because I think by the time this goes up, Christmas is it in two days. I kind I kind of uh, alluded to this slightly in a, a cheeky sort of way a minute ago, but you guys have never seen a Christmas story. This is watchability for you. You <laughs> should have renamed it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, my what the fuck shame. is wrong with you?
0: <laughs> I, I you know I don't know
1: I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, I honestly don't know how this movie passed me by, and like it was a strange sort of thing. It was like I only assume. What that movie yesterday is like, I haven't seen it, about the guy who wakes up. (laughs) Wait, are
2: you just alluding to another movie you haven't seen? There's tons of movies I haven't
1: seen. At a certain point, everybody sort of started talking about this movie as a beloved Christmas favorite, and I'd never heard of it. And then all of a sudden, I began seeing things related to this movie, like that image of Ralphie doing the demonic smile, the BB gun, and that lamp the leg lamp, and I was like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck is this? What is this all about? And, you know, I think by that time, I was just sort of over watching Christmas movies for the sake of Christmas movies, because, I mean, a lot of the times they are a little bit sentimental, they're a little bit family-orientated, and... I want to watch movies that are sort of exciting and not necessarily set at Christmas or not necessarily about Christmas. So I never watched it, even though I knew it was directed by Bob Clark, who is very important in Canadian cinema for exploiting our tax shelter system and and creating <laughs> our entire our entire film landscape in a way. So I knew that it was an important movie for Canada, but I never watched it. And I mean, one of the great things about this podcast, because there's tons of movies that I haven't seen or I didn't get the chance to see before we started doing this podcast, is a chance to sit down and actually watch these movies that I would not otherwise take my free time to watch. So I watched your damn movie, J.M. You happy?
0: (laughs) It was like uh, such a casual suggestion. I just assumed you guys had seen it like the rest of the world. What about you, Blaine? Why, Why have you never seen it? because
2: it looked boring, JM. Oh, okay. It
0: looked as a kid, it looked so boring.
2: This there's, there's like a kid and he just wants like a BB gun. There's no explosions, there's no car chases. I mean, he has a gun, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it shoots <laughs> BBs. I don't know. Like it, it just like in my in my kid mind, it also looked really old. Like it looked like it was from the 50s right. uh because it was place then and i know uh, i didn't
0: it takes place in like the 40s
2: right yeah so I, I it didn't appeal to me as much as i think it might have appealed to my grandparents generation or my mom's generation um, Your so you don't you don't watch generation? any <laughs> it's not the dick van dyke show <laughs> I mean they're listening to radio shows the little orphan Annie like it just it, it's very it feels right. very very old. So
0: what you're saying is you don't watch any movies set before uh the date of your birth. Is that
2: right? I well this was this was on the date of my birth and I still didn't watch it. So uh, But it's set in the
0: past. So you like you've never seen like Quest past. for Fire or like the Back to <laughs> the Future after the kid first kid 15 many. minutes.
2: <laughs> Apocalypto Right. No, nothing. I don't go to the past. I live in the present, man. No, I, I just like it. Just felt, it just felt boring. I don't. I feel that's what it was when I was a kid. It didn't look appealing. It, uh it, it, all the separate things. It seemed like a lot of different short stories kind of slung together, and I don't know. I, it just didn't feel appealing to me. You could tell it was a bunch of short stories,
1: even though it's called <laughs> a Christmas story. Well, you're like, it's probably going like... to be short stories.
2: I don't need that, man. I like a cohesive narrative.
0: <laughs> they tested the title Several Christmas Stories, but it was less popular.
2: I think that it's also a bit hubristic to name yourself A Christmas Story. There's going to be other Christmas stories out there, and you're just saying you're A Christmas Story. It's not saying the that.
0: Christmas Story.
2: I know, but Yeah, there already is a The Christmas Story. It's die hard. <laughs> <laughs> right? But no one's going to say, like, no one's going to have, like, another Christmas story. They they stole that title. They were like, this is the title. We're going to have this title. This is going to be the Christmas movie everyone is going to watch every year. And I just think that's a little, I don't know, a little, uh, a little egotistical. Calling them out. And, yeah, you have the moral high ground on this because nobody watches this movie every year. <laughs> 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 I, I definitely had never seen it before. And I'm interested to talk about it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if many of my opinions have changed, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that as as we talk about the movie. Maybe I'm the Grinch in this in this. The Grinch uh, isn't in this this episode. You're thinking of the Grinch. (laughs) What did I watch? (laughs) What about you, JM? how How did it soothe? the things that ailed you how did this... you asked
1: for this movie for christmas your parents wouldn't get it for you cuz they thought you put out your eye right and <laughs> I then did, it was behind yeah. the
0: desk it was the vhs tape out... that sharp cardboard corner <laughs> no i you know this was never a favorite of mine in the way it is so many other people's i i kind of just assumed like it would be blaine's favorite or something <laughs> i don't know why like you'd be like it's not oh, a romantic wanted... comedy <laughs> That's yeah, true. Come on, man. Uh, but uh, well, yeah, some. There's some romantic tension with the teacher character. Yeah, true. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I I do actually distinctly remember the first time I saw part of it. I remember I was at my grandparents' house. I was like a little kid, and I saw the part where Ralphie like beats the crap out of the bully. Oh my god! And the bully gets like the bloody nose.
2: That's so graphic, like.
0: I, yeah, he was like I thought That's he was going to cave his movie. head in.
1: It was,
2: it was, it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like really. It was dark. very much like he grabs a stone. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> oh my god!
0: But yeah, I had that. I don't even think I knew it was a Christmas thing yet. And then I kept watching, and it felt like because uh, I was like a little kid, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be watching this. Like this, and then it, I, I saw there was a Christmas thing, and yeah, I had the weird reaction to it being like set in either late 30s or the early 40s. So it felt very just like weird and kind of gross in a way just because the first thing i saw of it was this like kid's bloody nose so it just seemed like this kind of like and it is a little like rough around the edges in a way that a lot of other christmas entertainment isn't specifically the christmas entertainment i was watching as a young kid like was all very sanitized and like you know glossy and you know like kid stuff so this is a bit dark it's a bit dark. You wouldn't expect that from the director of Black
1: Christmas. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, so I, I didn't even know what it was. I literally watched like 15 minutes of it. And it wasn't until probably years later that I found out what it that it was part of a Christmas story. And probably even longer after that, that I found out that it had kind of had this huge following or, or was beginning to have this huge following. Because like I said, it was never one that I felt like I had to watch every year. Uh, you know, but I've certainly seen it many, many times over because of all the TV viewings. I, I honestly don't know if I've ever like sat down and watched it from beginning to end as I did this time. Mm. Like I, I had to rent it on iTunes and like, I've never rented it before cause it was just always on TV. And so I've probably seen it dozens of times, but In this kind of hodgepodge, you know, you watch a scene here, a scene there, which is kind of like, uh, I think what you saw as a negative, Blaine, is probably why it's endured as this kind of TV favorite, because it is so episodic and so driven by these short bursts of stories that like, yeah, I, I even got a little restless at times watching it now, but it's perfect for... You know, watching it starting in the middle, like you don't yeah. feel like you've missed out on anything, or watching yeah. the beginning of it and then doing something else. You know what I it's mean? It's Totally,
2: like, like a like a family gathering movie where you can put it on and talk to people and then check check out up parts the turkey, of it and go into the kitchen, and you know all that yeah. stuff. Like it's yeah,
0: it's uh, a background movie for sure. Well, I'm drink. not saying that. I don't. I don't mean that necessarily. Yeah. I'm more saying like the structure of the movie lends itself well to TV in a way that other Christmas movies that have more of a narrative through line don't necessarily. Mm -hmm. But let's get into what actually happens in this movie, in case anyone else listening hasn't seen it. (laughs) Uh, Rob, do you want to do a rundown of the the plot?
1: There are literally dozens of us. (laughs) 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 Okay, so a Christmas story, it starts as many stories do at the beginning with Ralphie looking through a toy store window. And this is a, you know, a favorite Christmas tradition to, to go check out the department store windows, and sometimes there's displays. All the toys in this window are like very violent. This is the first thing I notice about this movie is that... Th- well, they're all like World War II toys kind of things, like tanks and... Well, it's World War I because it's the Red Baron's plane, for one. Okay, And this okay. would be
0: set before the U.S. entered the war. Like, they don't give a specific date. It's either late 30s or early 40s, but it's definitely, like, pre-America entering World War II. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, right. Because otherwise that would be a part of, you know, the backdrop of the movie, certainly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But he sees this toy, this thing, this object that he just... A lights a desire in him that has been unknown until now it is a red rider bb gun and it's a very fancy bb gun it sounds like i don't know i never had a bb gun i you know i lived sort of in the north where there was a lot of like rural people who were really into guns and bb guns they'd be like I shot a squirrel with my BB gun, and uh, uh, that was a that was a lifestyle. But to me, <laughs>
2: <laughs> wait, you didn't you didn't murder little rodents? In no, your,
1: no, no. But in your youth? No. But to this kid, this is this is all he dreams about is uh, is this thing. So he's decided that this is what he's going to ask for for Christmas. This BB gun. Now he knows that it's a delicate process, and I should say that this movie is narrated by the author of the stories who, you know, this is all based off. Gene Shepard, his name is. So he describes it and he tells us all of Ralphie's sort of interior thoughts and everything that he's thinking and feeling. Because Ralphie is, like, very conscious of the performance that it takes in order to get... These Christmas presents, the things that you want In particular, something that's as dangerous As a BB gun So, you know, when he asks He sets it up by, you know, putting A advertisement in his mom's Favorite magazine And then he, he suggests it And he, it seems like he's, he knows What he's going to do, but he sort of screws it up And his mom says That he can't get a Red Rider BB gun Because he'll lose an eye uh,
0: Hurry up, you're going to be late For school
1: yeah, yeah, I'm running late already. <laughs> Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids, zip. I could feel the Christmas noose beginning to tighten. Maybe what happened
2: next was inevitable. Ralphie, what would you like for Christmas? Horrified, I heard myself blurted out.
1: I want an official Red cup carbon action you to yard range while arrive? Ooh,
0: no. Shoot your eye out.
2: Which?
1: I mean, that was the big danger when you were a kid, like everything, all the toys that were fun had the potential to make you lose an eye, but nothing more than a BB gun, I would say, probably.
0: Maybe Boba Fett's uh, torpedo thing.
1: (laughs) Is that how you broke your glasses? That's right. (laughs) But so he has to figure out another way to get this BB gun, and this is sort of like the through line of the story on which all these other sort of vignettes sort of relate. Because this is sort of based on this writer's sort of short stories. A lot of them appeared in family magazines such as Playboy. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of wonderful family tales in there. And yeah, and they're sort of all sort of hung on this narrative of him wanting the BB gun. Like his, his next step to get this Christmas present is to write a essay, a theme, they call it, on Christmas. And so he's going to write this thing about how he wants the BB gun, how he thinks it's a really great present, and he should get it. And it'll be great. His teacher will think it's amazing, and he fantasizes all of this, and then he will get the BB gun in the end. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of other stuff happening too. Like there's the whole family. We got the old man and his and the mom. And he, he seems very old to be fair. He is very old, yeah. Like yeah, he's definitely Older than There's the, the mom. grandfather, and then the mother,
0: and then. The <laughs> to be fair, Just, yeah. uh, you know, in like the forties, like that's what like thirty five year olds look like. Yeah, <laughs> it's the minds, the minds. Uh, he's played yeah. by the great Darren McGavin.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Ralphie also has a little brother who is pretty annoying, but he's still young, so you know. <laughs> and and a lot of it is like this sort of slice of life stuff like family stuff like the dad he has a hard time dealing with the furnace and he swears a lot and the mom is just keeping everything together making sure the kids get off to school and sacrificing everything for uh you know for what for what
2: (laughs) i mean this the snowsuit scene was pretty good too her trying to put the the youngest into a snowsuit Do you relate to that,
1: JM, as a parent? Does that speak to you in a way that it maybe didn't when you were younger?
0: Yeah, totally. Like, Actually, my kids are pretty good about it now, but there was a time where my oldest, when he was younger, he refused to put a snow suit on. I mean, they, yeah, there's always like a, a thing that they refuse to do. And then when you do the opposite of that thing, they refuse to do it. You know, like they don't have a bath and then they don't want to come out of the bath. Yeah, there's a lot of this movie like rings true. And that's what I kind of like about this movie. And I, I did relate to it a bit more now because it is very much like... It's a good balance of nostalgia and, like, capturing that feeling of nostalgia. But it's also, you know, through the lens of a guy looking back and, you know, it gives us moments of, like, him speculating what his parents were going through in a way or, like, you know, how they must have been feeling. Like, I mean, there's scenes of him, like, you know, talking about the BB gun and getting dinner. But then he also says, like, (laughs) you know, my mom never had a hot meal for herself her entire life because she's constantly having to stand up and get the kids seconds and, and everything. And even like, yeah. So I, I, I think it's a good balance of that realism. And we've also got, you know, we'll, we'll, talk about them, but there's moment after moment of like, you know, the kind of, uh, that, uh, childhood innocence being somewhat interrupted by like the awfulness of the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, which we'll talk about the first example. I, I think this is kind of where we're at in the story. So if you, if I can mention it, is, like, the Ovaltine, the decoder ring scene.
1: Yeah, Mm. that's right, yeah. He's been waiting to get this little orphan Annie decoder ring. I I don't remember this from the Annie movie, but I guess Annie was a spy or something? (laughs) Was she, like, working against the Nazis? I don't, you know, it's very confusing. But he gets this decoder ring, and, yeah, he's, like, very excited to get the message from the radio, and it turns out just to be a damn commercial and it breaks his heart. And it's, yeah, it's very relatable. Like, I I remember, I mean, I don't remember, but I, I feels so, it feels so familiar, you know?
0: Yeah, I feel like we've all had a moment like that
1: <laughs> Yeah, in
0: some way when we were a kid that, like, just killed our innocence a little bit. <laughs> when we
1: talked about The Wizard on this podcast, it broke my innocence. I just thought it was a great <laughs> movie about video games. <laughs> Not California And there's a bunch of other stuff that is also like very true to life Like the kids sort of dare one of the other kids to lick a pole And it's winter so it's very cold And the kid gets his tongue stuck And that's a big thing Do you guys remember doing that when you were a kid? Did you put your tongue on the pole or
2: convince somebody else to? Which was it Blaine? (laughs) (laughs) I mean you knew I was involved somehow and that's fair no, I mean, I remember thinking, I remember, I remember knowing that you could take hot water and and get your your tongue off the pole. So it wasn't as much a like thing that we did. We'd be like, oh, if that happens, you just get some, take your, take some some warm water. Watching this movie is terrifying because the 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 fire department just rips his goddamn skull off the <laughs> off the pole, <laughs> and you're like, what? Just use hot. Water, yeah. we're the fire department, no hot things. They
0: hadn't invented f- hot water yet.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. While well, the boiler kept on breaking down. That's why they, <laughs> had, they had no hot Sorry, water. Sorry, kid. <laughs> but yeah, the poor kid like just can't talk for the rest of the movie. That kid goes through a lot in this movie. I kind of think the story would be more harrowing from his perspective. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really interesting. I think what I find fascinating
1: about this story is that Ralphie kind of sucks, Like, he's not, (laughs) Yeah. usually when you write a a a coward, he's a
2: turncoat, yeah.
1: (laughs) No, I know, but he, like, you know, the second that any of his friends are in danger, he just abandons them to be, like, beaten up by the bully or, you know, to, yeah, to just stand out there with his tongue stuck to a metal pole. He's just like, I got nothing. I can't help you. And then even when, like, the teacher is asking him, like, Where's your pal? What's his name? It's Flick. Where's Flick? flick yeah. Where's Flick? He's like, oh, I don't Flick.
2: It's it seemed very, Chase and flick? everyone rushes <laughs> to the window except they're in their seats, and it seemed that moment seemed very like uh, cool guys don't look at like explosions type type thing. Like they're obviously. In on it if they're standing in their seats and everyone else is rushing to see what's happening. Yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a good moment. Mm-hmm.
0: But that yeah, that just felt realistic to me. Like yeah, I, again, like I I don't think we're meant to think he's a bad kid, but I think we all have those moments that we think back on. We're like, oh yeah, we were kind of shitty. <laughs> like, yeah. or you know, we, I wish I'd you know, I wish I'd told the teacher that Flick was outside. You know, I, it all just felt very relatable.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: and there's also
1: the bully. As we mentioned before, his name is Scott.
0: Scott Farkas.
1: But Scut? Like C S C U T?
0: Oh, is it Scut? I always thought it was Scott.
1: I think I mean I had the subtitles turned
2: on and it said Scut. I'm Oh really? I'm gonna look it up. It looked... <laughs> so maybe someone mistranscribed or maybe he was like the missile. Uh <laughs> yeah. was supposed to explode all the time in anger.
0: Well the guy who played him is I think he's Canadian and he's on Twitter a lot.
2: Well he was terrifying. He reminded me a lot of my like of the bullies in my neighborhood. He reminded stuff. me of
1: my bully, TJ Finch.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh my lord. I'm out. Why is your why is your bully Named after a restaurant. Or is that TJ Fridays? <laughs> like, That's TJ Fridays.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. So his name what is your bully. His name is Zach Ward. Uh and it is Scott. I always thought of Scott. I guess I've never watched it with the subtitles. But yeah, he's uh he's on Twitter a lot. I see him pop up. Yeah, and he's in lots of stuff. I think he was in an episode of Lost. Oh. Um,
1: he's I mean he's great. He I, is
0: really good, yeah. I
1: also yeah. like how they play Hopefully he's not a cyber bully now,, That'd be bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right really committing to the role after all these he's years. just stalking the uh the Twitter sphere while <laughs> the theme from Peter and the Wolf plays in the background <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway that's that's really good, also, one thing that we didn't mention about this movie is that a lot of it is filmed in our city in Toronto,-hmm in particular, the scene where that guy chases him and um the whole bully stuff happens all of that is sort of just south of queen street and in fact yeah
2: i noticed the the depot of the uh streetcar depot in the background yeah 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 yeah
1: and also the uh when they go and get the christmas tree that's also in toronto and the uh, guy who sells on the christmas tree is like a david cronenberg veteran he fought in the david cronenberg wars <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh wow <laughs> Fought for our existence. That's yeah, great. Yeah. I'm glad that he
0: he did that. The uh, yeah, that Christmas tree lot. There's a building there now, but it it was across from uh, where Much Music is now. Yeah, Queen Street. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I just like Kitty Corner to it. No, just across the street.
0: Okay, it's crazy uh,
1: how much Toronto has changed in the last uh, oh, forty yeah. almost years,
0: <laughs> and all the uh, the stuff in the <laughs> school uh and outside the school that was all shot in St. Catharines which is a town between here and Niagara Falls mm-hmm. for people that don't know
1: yeah i could really tell that that was shot in canada because the school looked exactly like all canadian schools do like totally it, there's no american schools that look like that it's like <laughs> a canadian thing it's like a slightly britishy mm-hmm. canadian school yeah
0: and the school has not been changed since 1939, so it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we should also mention that like a lot of stuff was shot in Cleveland as well. Everything that mm-hmm. wasn't shot here was done in Cleveland. The exteriors of the house, the, uh, the that store. Uh, big, beautiful department store, and, and all the that interiors awesome. there. Yeah.
2: Can you imagine that Like slide as a kid going to see Santa? That would have been amazing. Apparently that was we'll real. Have...
0: Yeah, well, they, they built it for the movie. They actually built it here and then had it shipped down to Cleveland to shoot in the store. And then the store liked it so much, they kept it for a few years just for the, like their regular Santa visits. And
2: then a kid broke his leg. <laughs> I like how, <laughs> how in the beginning of this movie, the guy's like, "What? Well, they're not going to ship me a bowling alley. That's not going to happen. But they shipped a whole fucking department store <laughs> down mm. to Cleveland. That's Hollywood That's North, crazy. baby.
0: They shipped a streetcar, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. They did a lot of a lot of work for this. We should mention the Santa scene because that's the other one where it's like, I love the way that Bob Clark uh, films this because you get the distanced view of Santa Claus in the department store and it just looks so, you know, uh, romanticized and so lovely. And then as Ralphie and his brother get closer and closer, it just becomes like a literal waking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Closing. Come on! Just listen, little boy. We've
1: got a lot of people
2: waiting here, so get going. What do you want for Christmas, little boy?
1: Yeah, that's also so relatable. I remember. I think I do remember being afraid of Santa because I sense something was off. It's not the real guy. Really?
0: Totally. That's again. That's another thing. <laughs> it's something this movie. This movie ties into that. I don't think any other christmas movie does and it risks being like slightly off-putting for the sake of reality but like everyone has like a picture of themselves when they were like a little kid with santa just fucking bawling like <laughs> everyone, and i see it too like i see it on social media like friends with kids have you know post pictures of their kids crying on santa's lap I like yeah. that that's that's a thing that's almost like a rite of passage so like the fact that All the kids in this movie are terrified of Santa. I mean, they have reason to be because the Santa in this movie is especially (laughs) upsetting.
1: Yeah. I think he was, he's a veteran of Bob Clark's early horror movies.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: So he just like, you know, went back into his like slasher film roots to be like, this is obviously the guy who should play, say, Nick.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, this movie does, a lot of it feels similar to black christmas which i just watched
2: black christmas oh did like, you for the first time like last week yeah did you like it it oh uh, yeah i loved
0: it okay good because uh, i love that movie that's one of my favorites and i think like the way he so we could
2: still be friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good. oh that's good
0: Whew. no i no but i just uh <laughs> I was bringing up
2: my list here
0: <laughs> as different as these two movies are like they it feels like they do share some kind of dna i don't know like the, the way yeah. the, like the they begin with like the exterior shots of the respective houses and has that kind of like snow covered, gauzy, just warm feeling.
2: They have those POV shots. Yeah. Um yeah. You really feel like like that one point where all the kids are being like manhandled by these elves is is so terrifying. And then you are manhandled by these elves yeah. like at the same point, like you're turned around as in with the camera point of view. Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah that's and i kind
0: of- I feel like this movie is very much about like being a kid and kind of like growing out of being a kid a little bit in a in a way like you know yeah. like starting to understand a bit more about like the workings of the real world and Black Christmas is also a movie about like Christmas being a a sort of landmark in maturation it's you know it's about you know, spending Christmas away from home and like making a new family with other people to a certain extent.
2: Mm.
1: Um,
0: mm-hmm. Wow! And I and I yeah, I love that movie too. Uh, Bob Clark, Bob Clark, you know, underrated director. He's done a lot of great stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I and I thought he was Canadian because of all the Canadian movies he directed, but he was not. He just came here, I think, in his like twenties or thirties, and just. You know, took advantage of the tax shelter system for many years, and then he went back home. But also, I mean, he was a big fish in a small pond, a lot of people point out, and he sort of helped give us a little bit of Hollywood credibility in a strange way, even though he didn't really have any Hollywood credibility when he started making these movies. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the stuff that happens in the movie, I mean, there's the lamp thing where the the father, he wins a big prize. And, you know, what is it? It could be anything. It could be a bowling alley. He's winning the prize for a crossword puzzle or something like that. Is that. Was that a thing?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's how they like got spies to, to become spies.
1: Yeah, that's what I was days, thinking. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess he didn't win the real prize, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but that that was another thing I remember seeing when I was a kid, and just being like, "What is this?" Like, it's it felt so different from other Christmas entertainment. Like, all of a sudden, there's this leg and this like sexy saxophone music like starts playing on the soundtrack. I mean, it's so weird.
1: Like, it's yeah, (laughs) weird. It's I mean, it is erotic, but it is also like it's a disembodied leg. You know, <laughs>
2: yeah, this felt very it's like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, like if you know, where the dad falls in love with like Christmas somehow in some way that like no one else can get on the same wavelength as, like, like with Clark and his lights and this guy and his lamp. Yeah. That guy totally like, fucked that lamp, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't there's you? your Cronenberg story. There was <laughs> some femoral sex there for sure. <laughs> God
1: damn. And then Ralphie, his teacher, doesn't like his theme. He gets a C plus and tells him, you know, he's going to shoot at his eye. And it seems like he's not going to get this BB gun, because his aunt gets him a bunny costume, which he has to model on Christmas morning, and it's
2: embarrassing. But... Do you guys remember that, though? Like, getting, like, clothes that you didn't want to wear, and people being like, put it on. (laughs) Yeah. Put it on. (laughs) Walk around. You're like, I just really just want to open my presents. Nope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that... uh, The movie does that well because they amplify it by making it like the most ridiculous possible thing. But you're right. It like, it it takes that feeling that we've all had with like a sweater and like, yeah, just exaggerates it.
2: It was, it was unfortunately a sweater for me every year. (laughs) My, my, my grandmother made like knit me, took the time out of her like life to knit me a sweater every year. And every year I was like, oh, this again, you monster, and it would be like a Ninja Turtle sweater, and I'd be like, "Well, it's not, it's not made by Mattel, so I don't uh, really." Care. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> like I was the worst kid. You're worse uh, than Ralphie. I
0: should...
2: <laughs> yeah, I was. I was bad. I was bad. Okay,
0: first of all, uh, Playmates made Ninja Turtles. So just okay. Well, put that out there. Yeah, fair enough. And also, you're a monster.
2: Yeah, I was a monster. I was but
0: a I mean, monster. that's the thing. Like, yeah, like this movie, like, does kind of tap into like those shitty childhood impulses or those you know those yeah. things that you're it's it's kind of like it's it's both unflinching and very like romanticized and nostalgic i don't know quite how to describe it you know what i mean like they have that like shot of like ralphie and his brother coming down and like seeing all the presents under the christmas tree like the way he photographs that like feels very real and like triggers mm-hmm. memories of of mm-hmm. christmas when i was a kid but then, yeah, you also see it from the parents' perspective where you hear their conversations. Be like, yeah, I bought him a gun. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, uh, you know? What do you need two yeah. eyes for?
2: <laughs> but, like, you know, the, the nostalgia and the and the nice shots of Christmas and all that stuff. In amongst that is, like, the most grotesque shots. Like, we talked about the POV of Santa, but, like, the food photography in this mm. is... is it will haunt me until, until yeah. did. And like it, the little brother, like scarfing up the food. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and the and the mother being like, "You're my little piggy. Like keep on." It it almost felt like she was torturing. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it was weird. Like
1: some sort of like Lars von Trier thing or something. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Eat it like, felt a like a it piggy in a horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Squeal, squeal. It's the Deliverance um, Christmas oh special. My God. Yeah. <laughs> did not even knew? Even, even. But uh, but then there was also this because it, it it made you feel that of it, but then it also made you feel the kind of this that is kind of real, like families do that to try to get their kid to eat, and it is this beautiful little game that they're playing, but then uh, from the outside in, you're like, oh, fuck, that's fucked yeah. up, yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not I good. also had a visceral reaction watching the tongue getting
1: stuck scene i you know. I just, mm. I found it really hard to watch. And so I, I think Bob Clark's horror expertise definitely comes into play
2: here in several different yeah. places. I think the, the, the one that was hard to watch for me was the singing of the Christmas carols at the show. Well, yes. Well, we all uh, yeah,
1: let's get yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> let's see it, yeah. he gets his gun because his dad gets it to him <laughs> and his mom... Just you know he he, he, he he rolls over his mom's wishes, and uh she just has to deal with it because she's a woman, and it's nineteen forties and she doesn't have any power sorry yeah. and but anyway, he gets the gun, and you know what does he do? He goes outside and he uh enjoys it, and nobody loses an eye he doesn't nothing bad happens.
0: No. He almost shoots his eye out. Yes,
1: he almost shoots his eye out. He (laughs) should have lost an eye. I think that's what this movie needed was, like, the cold, hard lesson, you know? Like, yeah, gun control. Ralphie should have lost an eye. (laughs) Imagine the different world that we live in, you know, if if Ralphie lost an eye and then everybody was, like, had that visceral (laughs) thing in their...
0: I think the movie kind of gets at that. Like, I think... Yeah. I think it does show that, like... I mean again it's it's as part of that you know this rhythm of like having this like you know this uh, setup where where he builds up all his kind of eagerness and anticipation that that we all have as kids, and then like immediately undercuts it with the awfulness of life. Yeah, and like this is almost the ultimate version of that because yeah, he gets finally gets the BB gun and <laughs> immediately does the thing that everyone told him was going to happen, and uh, and he manages to wriggle out of it and. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Which is again a, sh- a shitty thing, but like, I yeah, I could see myself doing that as a kid, probably. Oh no! For a moment, I thought I'll fake it; they'll never know the lens is gone.
1: Oh no! Rapidly,
0: my mind evolved a spectacular plot. Let's see, uh,
1: uh, an icicle, yeah, falls off the garage and hits me in the eye. It would work. It had to work.
2: Quickly, I whipped up some tears.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean... Lying? To not get in trouble? Yeah. But to not lose his time. Christmas present.
1: Like, I feel like also, if he told the truth, he, his mom's taking that away, you know? I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's never going to see that kind of gun again, yeah? I sure. mean, I'm sure in... The next by next Christmas, there's going to be like w- between one and three eyes between those two kids. That's my <laughs> prediction. You know, I bet Randy is not going to be able to see at all by. Oh
2: my god! <laughs> and Ralphie is going to have three well, eyes. Well,
1: because he has extra progra- protection with
2: the glasses.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. But then, yeah, then the turkey gets ruined by the dogs, so they have to go to the Chinese restaurant. Yes. Yeah, and
1: that's the, effectively the climax of this movie. I mean, maybe, I guess the BB gun is the climax, but then the entire denouement is just like this racist, I, I
2: yeah, it's just... Well, yeah. I wouldn't say that, like, because there's other, you know, tensions in this in this movie. The only two black people in this movie are the robbers at the beginning, Um like there's there's some stuff like that. No no no. The only one of the robbers was black,
0: and I no, checked two of them because
1: oh, okay, yeah. but not the one that's called Black Bart. Because <laughs> I was like you a little can bit just concerned. Just call like, me Bart. <laughs>
2: yeah right.
1: <laughs> but there's also there's black kids in his school. Yeah. Um, as well. Yeah. So I yeah. mean you're, they're not like character characters, but yeah, it's not a very diverse movie if you don't count the terrible depictions of. Uh, Chinese people at the end. Yeah.
0: I I mean, this scene is... uh, is It
2: just goes on and everyone's laughing. Awful. It just is cringy.
0: And there's nothing else happening in the scene. Like, it's not like, (laughs) you know, it's like the focal point of this entire scene is just them. Racism. Yeah, it's just racism. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Also, also the duck, right? Like, oh, isn't it crazy these people would bring the duck with the head still on it? That's so wacky because we don't do that in America. We chop the head off. (laughs)
0: This is is an important distinction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It separates When you're bringing out the corpse of the animal. Yeah no I I I yeah that scene's no good I, I do want to say that scene was another one that's shot in Toronto, but
2: mm-hmm. it, it did end well I felt because then Ralphie was like then we started the tr- the tradition of Chinese food after that like I knew what Chinese food was after that and it was so good I was like that's great I'm glad that he enjoys other cultures yeah. food as well.
1: well My question is I mean it's Christmas it's a Chinese restaurant where are all the Jewish people I had the same yeah, thought big
2: big question that was the lingering. Unbelief- <laughs> the,
0: the, the suspension of
2: disbelief fell apart at that moment. I mean, maybe, it was, maybe that was a thing that came along later.
1: But, uh, I, mean, I, I, like that, I like that there's a parallel Christmas tradition for some people who don't celebrate Christmas. Because I mean it can be overwhelming. And also, I mean it's no good saying this now because anybody who doesn't celebrate Christmas probably isn't listening to this. <laughs> but I think about it uh, as well with our programming. And uh, people out there who don't celebrate Christmas, we're thinking of you. I know that you don't know that I said that, but we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do a lot of Christmas movies at this time of year, but it's it's also hard cuz like this is a show where we're going back and we're, you know, trying to think of the stuff that we saw when we were younger. And, you know, for me like Christmas TV, Christmas movies were such a big part of this time of year when I was younger. And this movie was too. So, yeah, like yeah, I I do feel bad if we alienated our listeners that don't well, next year,
2: we should do a bunch of different like holiday tradition movies. It would be fun.
0: We can there do eight any. crazy nights. Eight crazy it. nights,
2: and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean that's part of the problem. Yeah, we're part of the problem uh, that uh, you know the the sort of mainstream uh, you know Hollywood system doesn't really incorporate other holidays like Hanukkah into. Uh, I can't. Honza. Can you? Yeah. I can't even really think of another uh, Hanukkah movie. Other Nate Crazy Nights,
1: no, yeah. But I mean, to be fair, I mean, particularly with Hanukkah, I mean, I think because Jewish people were writing so many of the Christmas entertainments, that's right. Yeah, it sort of just became like, yeah, like it was ignored, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: yeah, I, I I think also a lot of people that don't celebrate Christmas probably are familiar with you know things like a Christmas story just because they're on TV. So much this time of year. Oh, I just quickly want to say that that restaurant, the Chinese restaurant, was shot in Toronto. It is still a restaurant, but it's a French restaurant now. Oh, no. Yeah. So you could do the same scene, but with, like, cartoonish, like, Quebecois accents, I guess, <laughs> if you remade it. They should. They definitely should.
1: And that's a Christmas story. All uh, right.
0: Some Christmas stories. <laughs> it's, it's one of the Christmas stories. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. I've got some trivia questions for you guys for this movie that you'd never seen before this week, <laughs> right after this. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, And I've got some trivia questions for you guys. Are you ready?
1: We're ready. Let's do this.
0: Okay. Question number one: Which beloved '80s TV show did A Christmas Story allegedly inspire?
2: Oh, The Wonder Years. That's right.
0: Yeah, Sweet I couldn't find now. any like official like documentation of this, but certainly like a lot of you know. Did you ever know this about A Christmas Story things, listicles and such? Do you mention that you know the kind of nostalgia and the adult narrator talking about themselves as a kid aspects of the wonder years were were taken from this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And Daniel Stern is in A Christmas Story too. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, question number two. Peter Billingsley, who plays Ralphie, who I think is quite good. He's uh, great. Oh, yeah. Like, kid really actors natural. are so
2: hard to find, do Yeah, well. exactly. he's, he's amazing.
0: He went on to become a producer, and yeah. he later produced another Christmas movie. Can you name it?
2: He went on to become a producer. He was, what, like, nine here in 1983? So that's like... So it's probably like late nineties, early two thousands. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think our way. Don't out go on Jeopardy, Blaine. <laughs> Just to talk through it on Jeopardy. I'm, I'm doing uh, <laughs> phone a friend, whatever that millionaire who wants to be a millionaire. We have to talk through every answer. Um, that is correct. <laughs> what do you,
0: what do you say, Rob?
2: Um, is is is
0: it stealing Christmas a movie? All right. It is, but that's not the answer. I was actually- Is four
1: Christmases?
0: It is four Christmases. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Nice. How did yeah. you know that?
1: Because well, I, I looked. I did okay. the research.
0: I was hoping that you guys would fall into my trap. And my trap was that Peter Billingsley has produced like almost every John Favreau movie. Oh, he produ- He produced Iron Man and Maid mm. and all those. But he, uh, from what I could tell, he didn't produce Elf, but he's in Elf. He has a cameo oh, as cool. as oh. one of the elves, and Jon Favreau. I watched an interview with the two of them, and Jon Favreau said like he just cast him kind of like as a good luck charm to like he said to like get some of that Christmas story mojo yeah. in his movie. That's um, great. That's fun. Nice. Okay. Question number three: uh, In 2015, Ralphie's Red Rider BB gun uh, was sold to a collector. How much? Did you, do you think it went for how much did did Ralphie's gun uh, go for in 2015
1: one million
2: dollars that's ridiculous okay I'm gonna go for eighty five thousand dollars. us
0: no no you guys both overshot if this was the prices right uh, you would have lost it, oh, shit. it was uh ten thousand dollars oh that's not so much I mean that's uh, a deal that's a steal of a deal but there were six of them made uh, oh and a few of them went to the crew. One of them went to Peter Billingsley. One of them is in the St. Catharines Museum wow. in St. Catharines. And what's unique about these six that they made for the movie is that uh, Gene Shepard, when he wrote the story, it was based on, described the BB gun as having like the, the compass in the stock right. and mm-hmm. everything that he says. And that's not actually a thing that the Red Rider BB gun had. He kind of misremembered it. Ah. And, mm. and so they the like, made
2: this new gun.
0: Yeah, they, they didn't realize till they were in production in the movie that he totally just misremembered what the guns <laughs> were like. So the manufacturer, Daisy, had to make the film six unique guns. Uh, they couldn't just change feature. the script. Uh, you'd <laughs> think, but no, no. They made it special for the movie. I mean, you got to. Uh, you
1: can't even see the
0: compass in the gun. At no point do you see that there's
1: a compass in the gun stock, it's mentioned. I think you can see it, no?
2: I don't know. Maybe not. The gun always points north. It's
0: so that gun that was bought in 2015 for $10,000 was bought by the people that run the Christmas Story Museum, uh, oh. or the Christmas Story House, which runs as a museum. Did you guys hear about this?
1: Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. It's the guy who, I guess, apparently made his fortune selling replicas of that lamp, the leg lamp.
0: Is that yeah? I didn't know that actually. But he made a
1: fortune doing that. Well, maybe not a fortune, but enough to buy the Christmas Story house and make it into some weird museum.
0: uh, A lot of sad middle-aged dads want to fuck lamps. (laughs) This guy, (laughs) uh, honestly,
1: at this point, uh, that lamp's
0: looking pretty good.
2: Uh, I just want something. I just want something (laughs) I can turn on, man. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) old.
0: (laughs) Uh, But he, uh, yes, this guy, the Christmas Story house was put up for sale. And he bought it. Do you know how much he bought it for, Rob?
2: $1,085,000. <laughs>
0: Blaine's closer without going over because it was bought for $150,000.
2: Wow. I mean. But he
0: had to great. totally renovate it. Like the outside was a different color. And the inside wasn't exactly the same because they shot it on a soundstage in Toronto. So he he renovated it all to look more like in the movie, and it operates as a a museum. And you can actually book it as almost like an Airbnb, but you book it through their website, and you can go stay overnight. And I was reading there was an article about it recently about how, like, with COVID and everything, their business has not been what it was. And it's not – as of today, it's not booked for – Christmas and Christmas Eve which uh, which they said is kind of unheard of. Uh,
1: Guys, that's a great opportunity. Let's book the Christmas story house for Christmas yeah. and we'll just all go spend Christmas together. We, we the board,
2: can't the you border's, you know, we close. can't see our our, our families. Why, not? <laughs> why why not see each other? Yeah. Great.
0: In another country.
2: <laughs> In another country, you know. We're Perfect. not breaking quarantine to do that. That's awesome.
0: Uh, so yeah, if you're, yeah, check it out. I don't know if it's been booked since I last checked, but if you're a fan of the movie and you're in Cleveland, you could go, uh, spend Christmas there, which I mean, like, I almost wish I was a bigger fan of that movie mm-hmm. so that I could do that. Like, cause that sounds awesome. Like if Fox would rent out like whatever floor the they shot Die Hard in for <laughs> the Nostromo. Yeah. No, but I was thinking like, yeah, like they could turn, like, have like a Nakatomi Plaza themed Airbnb thing. I would, uh, I would do that. Can uh, you imagine if there was just
1: a whole industry of like movie fan Airbnbs where you can stay in like.
0: Oh, no, Rob, there are. Oh, shit. There totally are. Uh, there's like. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it off air. There's. Okay. Uh, there's some funny ones. W- one was literally. There was one in Vancouver that was literally just like a closet next to a stairwell. And they were like, rent out the Harry Potter room <laughs> because Harry Potter slept in a oh cupboard my God. under stairs.
1: That's so oh, funny. That's sad.
0: There was. Uh, a deleted sequence from this movie did you guys know about this that there's almost this extended uh fantasy scene where ralphie and flash gordon uh fight ming the merciless
1: interesting yeah um, yeah and i saw that ming the merciless was played by this guy colin fox who was on Sci factor and a bad canadian tv show oh, right. amazing <laughs> that's awesome yeah
0: so yeah that got cut up but there's some photos of it online which are kind of funny to look at um, that's
1: sort of interesting because isn't ma- isn't the Flash Gordon movie like a favorite Christmas movie in Britain and apparently like even the Queen watches it whoa really
0: is that because of the Queen's soundtrack
1: yeah she thinks it's really clever <laughs> she's like oh I did the music for this Flash <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I have heard that yeah it's like the, yeah the Queen watches that at Christmas or something that's weird I uh, mean that
1: is weird I, that's a terrible fucking movie
0: I mean, I I don't watch The Crown, but if there was like a season of The Crown that was just like seven or eight Christmases in the life of the Queen watching Flash Gordon, I would check that out. (laughs) Like Mystery Science Theater (laughs) style making comments. Yeah, just Olivia (laughs) Colman riffing. (laughs) That would be...
1: I would watch that. Oh, man.
0: Okay, yeah, we mentioned earlier, we alluded to the fact that there are some sequels to this movie, and I say sequels plural. Whoa. First of all, the most kind of official sequel i would say was the 1994 movie it runs in the family which is also known as my summer story do um, you guys ever see this no i don't know why you would have uh <laughs> but this was another bob clark movie and uh, again he collaborated with gene shepherd to tell the story about uh, about ralphie here played by kieran culkin
1: Good Culkin. Yeah.
0: And, and the the dad and the mum are played by Charles Grodin and Mary Steenburgen.
2: Oh, nice. that's great.
0: Yeah. And I've never seen it. I, I really should uh, because all of those people are great. Um,
1: I would check it out.
0: And yeah, it just it's not set at Christmas, but it just continues the story of the family. There was also, just a few years after this movie, in 1988, they again did an adaptation of Gene Shepard's stories about Ralphie, which is kind of, you know, like the autobiographical kind of stand-in for his childhood. They did a Disney TV movie called Ollie Hop Noodles Haven of Bliss.
1: Wow, uh, good name. Which has re- not become a
2: classic.
0: <laughs> so yeah, a Christmas story is not looking so bad right now, huh, Blaine? <laughs> yeah, that's
2: fair. That's fair.
0: And it's about Ralphie when he's fourteen, and it's about like the summertime and going on a trip with his family and uh Here Ralphie's played by Jerry O'Connell Oh, wow Whoa.
2: Canada's own is he, he is he getting into that role <laughs> uh, I think he
0: is and then, as we mentioned, there was the much maligned Christmas story too from 2012 that went straight to video hmm. featuring Daniel Stern as the dad from the director of uh, the Flintstones and Jingle All the Way and some other straight to video Scooby-Doo movies. Um, <laughs> this one is set uh, seven years after the first movie. Ralph is now 15. He's coursing with hormones. You know, he wants to meet women and he wants a uh, a convertible, a car for Christmas. This you year. lose an eye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone said that. <laughs> you lose CDs your virginity. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and that from I've never seen it, but I watched the trailer and it looks uh, awful uh, from all accounts. It's terrible. I mean, it's very like slapstick. Uh, it's there are scenes of like, uh, you know people dressed as santa's elves hitting each other with giant candy canes and like mm. one of ralphie's friends working at a department store like accidentally like grabs a woman's breast and like her boyfriend gets angry at him that mm. kind of thing it, nice. it it looks like a nightmare that
2: sounds like a playboy story more, more than right. this one did <laughs>
0: and then finally there was a christmas story live just 3 years ago There was, you know how they do those like live, you know, shows based on pre existing properties to the enjoyment of no one. Right. (sighs) They did The Grinch this year. I don't know if you guys watched that. Right. They did that uh, in 2017. Maya Rudolph played the mom. I don't know why Maya Rudolph was doing this. Uh, Yeah. And Matthew Broderick was. The narrator, like the Gene Shepherd part. He's a good narrator. Ooh.
2: He has some practice.
0: Yeah, I watched some clips on YouTube and like yeah, it seemed pretty good, but he was also like in the scenes, like just kind of hanging around like like a ghost oh. describing <laughs> what was happening, which was just kind of weird. Yeah. So another thing about this movie, uh, a big reason why it's become so popular is that they have those 24-hour marathons right. uh, on on cable TV. So the movie, the rights to it were sold in 1986 as part of a 50-movie package deal to Warner Brothers from MGM. And this movie was basically just tossed in to like make it around number of 50 movies <laughs> and uh and the channel tnt showed uh showed it as a 24-hour marathon marathon for the first time in 1988 as kind of like a a joke or a publicity stunt and I it ended those. up just becoming a big hit and they've yeah. done it uh every year since i think and and people all tune in they wow. do that Not with you guys. Like the
2: james bonds you know they they just do these like huge marathons over the holidays to try to get people. Yeah. But to watch. those are
0: like 20 movies. This is <laughs> yeah, one no, movie makes sense. over and yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like those people that watch cats over and over again for charity. Like it's, oh, yeah. uh, and, uh, I did want to mention like, I, I guess there has been like some debate on the internet in recent years about like whether or not elements of the movie are kind of problematic now. Like, Obviously the, the scene in the Chinese restaurant is not so great. Oh, I did want to mention the the scene for the Chinese restaurant in the live version they did a few years ago was drastically changed so that the uh even
2: more racist? T- yeah.
0: That's uh no, not, not thankfully <laughs> no. They they got they had the same scene where the waiters come out and sing, but instead they hired like uh, an LA based a cappella group. And so they sang uh, Deck the Halls, uh, you know, flawlessly, and it sounded beautiful. And then uh, the actor playing the dad said, like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And then Ken Jeong, who played, like, the maitre d' of the restaurant, was like, what were what were you expecting? <laughs> it was right. kind of like yeah, a yeah. fun nod to the, wink, wink. <laughs> the awful scene that was yeah. originally there. Well, that's uh, good. But then there's also been like some talk about like, is this movie pro gun? Like, uh, you know, I-, I think a few years ago there were like a few think pieces written about this, you know, given all the mass shootings in the States. I think people were starting to like interrogate like, uh, you know, toy guns as, you know, uh, a sort of, uh, you know, a, a problem in-, in American toy culture. And that, conversation has been renewed a bit this year i don't know if you guys saw that viral video of santa refusing to bring a toy gun to a small child you guys see that
2: Mm. that's cool no, like, I
0: even think a Christmas story was trending on Twitter because it was like there was a Santa Claus. Uh, I think it was in New Jersey, and the kid said he wanted a toy gun. And Santa was like, "I, I don't bring toy guns. Like uh, maybe your dad can get it for you, but Santa doesn't do that." <laughs> and then the mom like rushed over, was like, "No, no, he wants a Nerf gun." And the kid was like four or something. The kid looked super young. It's like, "Oh no, he wants a Nerf gun." And Santa's just like, "Yeah, no, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, and, man." Uh, and that became like a huge, like, like you know, right wing media oh, freaked course. out about it, and were like liberals are ruining Christmas, like with their woke Santas.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and- I feel conflicted. I mean, I. I think there is something to, like, you know, like, the culture of guns and violence. But, I mean, this is a movie that was about the 40s, and that's what people, especially, like, young boys, were sort of socialized into. There were westerns on, I mean, in the radio, not on TV yet. There was, there was like, a culture of guns. I mean, you can criticize it, but criticizing something that happened 60 years ago, what's the effect going to be? There's not going to be any, you know, change to, like, right now. Like, I don't think we have the same sort of culture of guns as they had in this, which is why it was so like shocking when like the entire store window was full of like war machines.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think like this movie kind of idolizes guns either. The kid does, mm-hmm. and he does like sleep with it at the end. I'm sure the dad was sleeping with the leg in the same bed, but like the, <laughs> the kid did almost put his eye out with it and had to lie to cover it up. Like there was some danger there. So yeah. I don't know if it if it kind of I don't know was pro gun. But, uh, yeah, my mom, my mom was like that, too. She was like, I'm, I'm never going to get you a toy gun. And I had to make one out of Legos and stuff.
1: You had to use your imagination. Yeah, exactly. I had to get creative. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.
0: Make one out of soap. <laughs> <laughs> In uh, earnest. Well, that's a Christmas story. That's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. Um, I know you guys hadn't seen it before, but how did you like it?
1: I enjoyed aspects of it a lot. I, you know, I really like the feel of it. There aren't a lot of movies or entertainment uh, that have that sort of, like... I mean, it does feel a little bit old-timey with the sort of, like, yeah, the nostalgia, the telling of these sort of short vignettes that all sort of, like, tie together sort of loosely. It's very, like, literary with with the narrator sort of speaking everything. But, uh... You know, It felt very familiar, like it reminded me of some something else that I never really experienced as a kid, but I heard like once, and was like, oh, I get why people are sort of into this, but also I never have to see it, or I mean, I never have to hear it again, is Stuart McClain's Christmas stuff, like, mm. I know a lot of people really love his stuff, to me, he always seemed like a sort of like stuffy old boring dude, but then... One Christmas, we were riding home with my then-girlfriend's stepdad, and it was playing on the radio, and it's like, oh, this is kind of nice in its way. So there were, yeah, there were parts that I found really enjoyable. I also really liked the voice of the author, Gene was, I thought it was a really interesting voice, and I'd never really, I thought I'd never heard it before, but recently I checked out this Mingus record, Charles Mingus. Wow, yeah? Called The Clown. And it's it's this crazy record where, I mean, of course, there's a lot of like, you know, crazy Charles Mingus jazz stuff. But then there's this improvised Gene Shepard story to it as well. It's really, it's a neat record. And then while I was researching him a little bit further, I found out that he's a really huge influence on Seinfeld.
0: Oh, yeah, oh. I saw that.
1: And, which is interesting, I mean, you know, obviously Seinfeld was a huge cultural touchstone. Did and Gene also- Shepherd
0: date a teenager when he was like thirty <laughs> five I hope
1: not i mean <laughs> yeah i don't know um also also apparently gene shepard's uh stories were an influence for a Steely Dan album. <laughs>
2: Oh. Jesus. The yeah. musical the musical resonations here is crazy.
1: I mean, I just thought that was really cool. So, I mean, I would be interested. I love, like, I love these style of short stories. I mean, that sort of reminds me of, like, Stephen Leacock is someone that we have in Canada. There's, like, a wittiness oh, yeah. to them. There's, like, a realness to them. There's an authenticity to them. They're, like, a little bit nostalgic and sentimental. And I think those things turned me off when I was younger. But mm. now I can sort of get past it. So... I think I would watch A Christmas Story again. If it was on TV, if TV was still a thing, if I could visit my family on the holidays and just watch TV like I usually do on holidays, I might not turn off A Christmas Story if it was on. I might go through the Express View dish menu and then click on it and be like, parts of this are okay. Parts of this make me feel like bring me back to when i was growing up the feelings that i had when i was a kid experiencing christmas so i'm going to say it's rewatchable what about
2: you blaine yeah i mean i don't think my opinions like reading the cover opinions when i was a kid have changed too much i do see a lot of the value in this in this movie i think it's like it's just a highly nostalgic movie this is like what we trade on in our in our show but it's one of those movies that I think you have to have watched as a kid to really appreciate in in full. Because um, I still found large large parts parts of it boring and and I, you know, there was some there were some parts where I was like, oh, this is a little cringy. But then other parts, like when Ralphie's beating that kid and has his PTSD <laughs> fucking thing going on and he has has to like lay down in his bed with a cold compress. I'm like, that's interesting. And I that's really interesting to me. The whole Santa Claus scene was was great. Uh, there were so many scenes that really worked. And in that way, it kind of – like you mentioned, Rob, Stephen Leacock, Sunshine Sketches of a Small Town. It did feel like sketches of of Christmas um, uh, in a large part. And I – yeah, I don't even know whether the through line of the gun almost needed to be there to draw these all together. But I did appreciate what it said about guns. They were dangerous and you could put your eye out. <laughs> and – uh and I thought the kid acting was amazing. I think, I don't know how they found these kids in St. Catharines to, to, or I mean, I guess they they hired them elsewhere, but they must have cast a wide net because these kids were so natural and so fun. And so, like, I remember kids reacting that way to me as a kid, like when I was a kid too. And so, yeah, there was, there was lots of parts of it that I that I really did like, but I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Hey, if it's on, and my family's all there, and I'm actually in the same room with them.
1: oh, a Christmas story Aw, let's just watch this Blaine,
2: you love this movie Come
1: on, let's just watch
2: it <laughs> hey, if, oh, there's Ralphie. if I'm in the same room with the people I love, then I will watch a Christmas movie for twenty four hours straight it that would be that would Nobody be said you had to do that my pleasure on t n t but, but if uh, you want to but now you're uh, committed to it. Yeah. Uh no, I I yeah, I don't think it's going to be part of my rotation and you know, if it's on if it's it's on but it's not one of those things that I'll probably go back to. Um,
1: Sorry kids, Christmas is canceled. <laughs>
2: I mean, Lane doesn't want to have Christmas. Just for that Chinese restaurant scene alone, Christmas is <laughs> oh, canceled. Oh yeah, Christmas
1: is canceled. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, no, but I I totally see that it is and so many things from this movie have Become part of all our our culture, and I mean, I guess we're part of culture before that, but brought it to a new generation. Um, you know, there are people in China starving and all that stuff. Like, oh, no, yeah, you (laughs) you hear that you hear that stuff just as a kid around the dinner table, or some kids even make fun of it around other dinner tables and stuff. When I was a kid, it was Ethiopia, yeah, it was Africa for me, yeah. Um, I don't think my mother ever said that, but I heard like other kids saying that, and that was the the, the thing. What
1: country do you scapegoat to make your kids eat, JM?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, we don't do that anymore. I do. I, yeah, that is weird. That they I forgot they said that at the beginning of the movie, and then they end the movie in a Chinese restaurant. And also, the mm-hmm. movie almost opened with him fighting a 1940s racist Asian stereotype from the movies. So maybe there's yeah. more to unpack there. But you know, we're not going to do it. No. Nope. You know?
2: We'll leave that to someone else.
0: We've put Uh, in our time,
2: (laughs) (laughs) so I'll throw it back to you, JM.
0: Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed it this time. I think the movie certainly has faults, like we've discussed. I think it does kind of drag in a way, whereas, like, yeah, like it, it it makes total sense as a movie to. It makes total sense as a movie to watch on TV and and to enjoy that way. But you know, it was hard to like picture people sitting down in a movie theater in 1983 <laughs> and watching it like, because it is so like episodic and, and, and uh, it's, it's, it takes, it feels its kind of like a
2: drop in movie. Like you can like drop yeah. in and leave and yeah.
0: But I like that about it for, you know, for all the reasons we described. And I, I think the thing I like about it most is what I keep coming back to, which is it's really hard to thread that needle of being both like, wistful and nostalgic and and really getting to like the heart of like how it felt to be a kid but at the same time like having these uh you know goggles of realism that you have in as an adult where you can not shy away from the unpleasant parts or the gross parts or you know the understanding of you know what your parents might have been thinking uh i was also thinking about it in a bit of a different context now because like we're obviously living through one of the hardest years of our lifetime and Christmas is going to be very different for everybody right now and this movie is also kind of you know I I think back to like how different last Christmas will be from this Christmas even Uh, and this movie takes place Like we said in the late 30s or early 40s, before the war began for the U.S. for the country this movie takes place in, so it's weird that this movie is also kind of about this bubble of innocence before this impending uh, doom or this you know Mm -hmm. this catastrophe that Ralphie's uh, dad died at Iwo Jima.
2: Oh Jesus! No, he's too
0: old. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, it's also like uh, you feel like the remnants of the Depression in this movie too. So it's weird that, you know, we're coming out of one tragic American events and and heading into I know, obviously, the war was ultimately victorious for the states. But like, I mean, it's, you know, the Christmases to come are going to be ones full of hardship as well. So I think the timing of this movie is interesting in terms of it being this this little sliver of of normalcy inside of this crazy Time, so like I almost reacted to it more strongly because we're currently living through a time where we don't get to have that degree of normalcy, and seeing that the movie kind of subtly uh, hints at the precariousness of that—I uh, don't want to say the word normalcy again—but of 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 that comfort. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I I, I dug it. I, th- I think it's really great. It's still not, you know, one of my absolute favorites that I, I feel like I, I need to watch, you know, like like a diehard like a I love the original Miracle on 34th Street. But yeah, I still think there's a lot of good stuff there.
1: Mm hmm. Nice
0: that's it for this week happy holidays everyone thank you so much for listening if you want to hit us up during the holidays you can find us on twitter at rewatchability facebook.com slash rewatchability uh i think there's an instagram um yeah and uh as always you can like and subscribe to us on apple podcasts or on whatever podcast app you use until then don't shoot your eye out <laughs> Good advice. Ah! Oh, no, Rob. It was a microphone. How did he do it with a.
2: Ah, <laughs> Jesus. It's a shotgun mic. <laughs> Hold
0: up.